Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Oil & Gas Investors Women in Energy podcast. I'm Jessica Morales, along with Emily Patsy, and we're talking about the 25 influential women in energy recently honored by Heart Energy and Oil & Gas Investor magazine. So for those who aren't aware, this program, the Women in Energy program, has been an effort that Heart Energy has discussed internally for a long time, and that it felt, the Heart Energy felt that this year, we felt the timing was right. Mm I mean, I think it really was just by the turnout of, you know, as we said, not only women, but men. It's just, these were, these are individuals that, regardless of gender, they stood out in the industry and people, you know, they wanted to honor them. Yeah, and wanted to show up to respect that also. And in this episode, we're really focusing on standing out in the industry. Emily and I really wanted to uh, uh, pinpoint that as our first topic, getting pointers from two very successful women in this episode about what they did to really stand out amongst their peers and get noticed. Yeah, one of these women is honoree Deborah Byers with Ernst & Young. Um, She's going to tell her story and share her her experiences from early in her career in the industry with us. Jessica and I visited with her at her office in downtown Houston. Hello everyone, we're joined now by Deborah Byers, the U.S. oil and gas leader and America's industry leader for EY. Thanks for joining us, Deborah. I'm glad to be here today. Great to have you. If we can start off by asking you, if you can just tell us about how you got your start really in the oil and gas industry and what challenge, what that really was like for you as a challenge. So I started in the oil and gas industry actually in the down cycle in 87. Uh, Right out of school, I entered uh, what at the time was the big eight accounting practices. And so being in Houston, I, I hate to put it this way, I accidentally fell into the oil and gas practice. Yeah. And we had gone through huge layoffs, like all of the companies had. We had a, a big base of oil and gas independent companies. And I was literally the one of the very few staff standing. Wow. But the good news on that was the industry took off from 87 until the next big downturn in in the late 90s when uh, crude again you know the bottom fell out Mm -hmm. so this last downturn was my fourth downturn (laughs) and so i've been in the industry uh all you know 30 plus years and it's, it's just been fascinating to watch the industry grow and change and and the cycles that that the companies have gone through What do you feel like was the biggest challenge or what has been the biggest challenge so far in your career? You know, the biggest challenge has always come with transition. Um, I have had a number of leadership roles in the firm and my my current role is brand new. I just stepped into uh, also being the, the leader for all of the industries, not just oil and gas. And I took on a leadership role in 2006, right at the time when the shale, you know, the shale revolution really got going. I mean, there was there was a lot of investment prior to that, but uh, I moved into a new role. All of a sudden, the the landscape shifted on us in, in the oil and gas industry for what it meant for the U.S. producer. Uh, you know, people were still looking at the U.S. as a declining oh, yeah. uh, industry. You know, uh, we're we're, we, you know, we weren't going to be a big producer, and all of a sudden, the Shell Revolution really took momentum. 
But I also took a new role to manage our M&A group, and we started our M&A oil and gas practice. Okay. Probably right, right at the, the, the right time. But okay. there were challenges not only in the shifting landscape and understanding what was happening in the industry and the dynamics, but also just to be a leader of a new group um, that included uh, areas that I had not myself practiced in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, financial due diligence, valuation, advisory, a lot of the areas where, you know, historically I focused on structuring transactions, um, very technical tax advice. Now suddenly I had this whole holistic practice. Yeah. And there were only nine of us. Wow. <laughs> and so it was a total startup. Yeah. So there was a lot of, it was very challenging to lead that group. Mm -hmm. to have credibility for, for somebody who's coming in from a very niche technical area, mm -hmm. but also to get my arms around what was happening with the industry and then grow the practice. Yeah, how, how large is the group now from nine members starting with? We have 160. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and what's interesting is it's 100% dedicated mm -hmm. just to uh, M&A transactional work. Okay. So this is uh, in addition to our core practices of the assurance, which is the audit practice, um, accounting advisory, tax, and our consulting practice. So this is a completely separate business unit. Yeah. And that's when we really started it up. And so it was a really cool startup and great to be involved with that. But the recruiting, just things that I had not previously done. Yeah. As a follow-up to that, what, would, what did you do to stand out among your peers despite the challenges in your career? Um, you know, to be to stand out, you really need to one have confidence uh, in your own ability to learn and do new things. And and I quickly realized that if if I wanted to have a career in Houston, uh, where my husband, by the way, is in the oil indus industry, oh, okay. <laughs> and so um, we made a decision, you know, pretty early on when we started our families that we weren't going to move around because he moved around, I moved around when we were oh, growing yeah. up. I said, let's not do that. Um, but I, I wanted a very varied and, and challenging experience in my career. And so oil and gas was a natural fit for being in Houston. Yeah, that's so kind of how you I wanted, ended up. Yeah, yeah, same here. You wanted that foundation. Yeah. Absolutely. You want that foundation. Plus, it was international. It was very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was able to travel all over the world and yet not have to uproot my whole family and move and you know live in a different different location. Yeah. And if you can Deborah talk to us a little bit about the environment. We know uh, you've had a wonderful success in your career no doubt going through the challenges you just mentioned to us. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen uh, in the environment for women in the workplace changing throughout your career. Well certainly being in the services sector especially account uh, you know the the financial services and accounting and banking services I really do feel like we've had a little bit easier than uh, women that were really blazing the trail in the operational side of things. With that said, the, there were a number of barriers and, and, and things that you, you know, you'll find really funny today. If I go back to when I had my first child, and this would have been in the early 90s, um, the, what it meant to mentor women has evolved since then okay. to now. So there, the, the concept very well intentioned was, you know, I've just had a child, they want to try to be mindful of that, and so they were 
pushing me in a direction of working on sort of easier projects, if you will. Ah, okay. And so one of the things I always say that's very important is you need to be on the right kind of projects to, in order to get noticed. Yes, that makes sense. And, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, the, and, and this was pushing me into an area that, yes, it would have been much more manageable, you know, better balance, not as challenging, but it, wasn't, it was not going to progress my career. Okay. And at the time, just knowing that I needed to speak up and say, that's not what I want. And, and to realize, and I explained to them, they said, well, but how are you going to manage that with, with um, imagine having this conversation today. How are you going to manage that, right. you know, with, with, a, with a baby? And, you know, is your husband going to let you do that? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that conversation, believe it or not, that's early 90s. Mm -hmm. And you fast forward. Um, as we've evolved from you know, gender equality to diversity and inclusiveness, a lot has changed. And probably the, the single most important factor is having women in roles that are visible as leaders is, is hugely important because it allows the younger women that pipeline. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have that strong pipeline to have the candidates to promote. And you talked, Deborah, of course, about mentors. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how important you think mentors are? And also, how do you look for the right one? Yeah, so I've shifted. Mentors are definitely important. And I've shifted from saying you need uh, mentors. And you know, I've always said you need multiple mentors. You need mentors that are peer mentors, okay. so at your own level. So because sometimes you know you, you tend to kind of look at the world through your own lens right mm -hmm. and so if you have someone that's going through the exact same experience and you talk to them mm -hmm. occasionally you'll find that their experience is very different than yours so mm -hmm. you want to know are you being treated differently or are you just perceiving it differently mm -hmm. so you, you know sometimes you know what they mm -hmm. always say yeah. if you don't like your situation just change your worldview <laughs> Right versus yeah. changing the world, yes. which is easier. Mm -hmm. So, get having a peer mentor helps you get sort of a 180, 360 perspective. Because sometimes we get in our own heads and we don't really see what's really happening. And mm -hmm. you know, you're in an echo chamber. Then you need mentors that are clearly uh, people that you want to emulate, and um, there isn't a single person that's going to be the perfect one. And I've always been, benefited from having multiple mentors, taking the best of their attributes and their advice and then sort of internalizing that to the person I am. Because I can't be, you know, this one person. I'm not going right, to be okay. that person. Um, but the other really important element, and I didn't learn this until I much later in my career, I probably would have, probably would have benefited if I thought about this earlier, mm -hmm. is to have a sponsor. Okay. And a sponsor is different than a mentor because when the doors are closed and they're talking about promotions and raises, mm -hmm. those discussions generally happen when you're not in the room. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. And so sometimes your mentor will be in there, sometimes they won't. A sponsor is highly, a highly placed individual that has you on their radar screen. You know, okay. they may not always think you're the best candidate, but you're on their radar screen and they can make and push a decision. So your name gets 
considered. Such good advice there. I think uh, I think I've learned a lot. What about you, Emily? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the the whole sponsorship thing. I, that's that's totally true. I think you need to know the right person. Thank you so much for your time, Deborah, and the advice and definitely the insight as well. We appreciate it. I am thrilled to do it, and thank you for uh, honoring me. And I think you guys are doing some great stuff at Heart Energy. Thank you. Thank we you. wish you all the best. That was really neat to get to meet Deborah Byers, and she was just so friendly, I felt like, Emily, and open to us, you know, yeah. to share her story, didn't Definitely. you think? Yeah. That, you know, really just, I guess, going back through time, she was remembering important parts of her career, mm -hmm. and what really struck me is how she mentioned how important confidence in yourself is. Um, you know, someone else can't necessarily give you that. That's my take on it. Yeah. Uh, they can help you be more confident, but I guess you have to have that in yourself, and how she described when she had her first child and they mm -hmm. were trying to be helpful by helping her. Maybe she yeah. needed to take a lighter load. Out there being helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But for her, she thought this won't be good if I'm kind of, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I guess. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but kind of seemed like she was worried about being taken out of the game in a sense and not being noticed because she wanted to be on the right projects. Yeah. And that really, I, I admire that a lot, that she had that confidence. Yeah, because it, I mean, yeah, you could say and say that. Yeah, I'll talk, speak up at those at those right moments. Yeah. But it really is. I mean, you don't. Sometimes you don't want to like ruffle feathers. Mm -hmm. But you're like, if if you don't, you, you kind of have to speak up for yourself. Yeah. In the end, like, you have to look out for yourself. Yeah, you kind of need to be the one that's kind of self-promoting and like mm -hmm. looking out for what's good for you for your career and everything. I mean, another thing she talked about was the sponsorship. I mean. She, well, she described having a mentor and also having a sponsor, mm -hmm. and that, that I thought that was interesting because I've always heard of mentors, like someone, and those yeah, are, are beneficial. Yeah. And I, I mean, I benefited from having someone men mentor me, um, you know, to you know grow my skills and mm -hmm. you know whatever you know journalism, ed reporting, ed editorial, but um, to have someone to think of getting, you know you know, um, networking with people and finding sponsors, you know, someone that you can, you can get to know and they'll get to know you. And so, and they, those are those people that, um, are in the rooms when decisions are made basically. Yeah. And like, and you know, if they hear of an opportunity, they could bring your name up and, you know, because it's basically whenever you're advancing your career, a big, big, um, something that's big that could help is knowing the right people. Right, yeah. yeah. I know it w you kind of hear that a lot, I guess, in advice, but it's so true. Yeah. And the way she put it was really helpful, yeah. I think, too. And we again want to remind you, you can comment on this podcast on our website, oilandgasinvestor.com. We're also on SoundCloud and available through iTunes. And you can also tweet us at, at Jessica M. News and at Emily Patsy. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. And when we come back, we'll hear from Heart Energy Vice President and Editorial Director Peggy Williams. We'll be right back. Visit oilandgasinvestor.com slash women dash and dash energy to nominate a top female industry executive for oil and gas investors, 25 influential women in energy. Celebrate women who have risen to the top of their professions and achieved outstanding success in the oil and gas industry. The deadline for nominations is Friday, August 3rd, 2018. 
Hi everyone, Jessica joining you again with Emily and right now we have Peggy Williams, our Vice President of Heart Energy and Editorial Director joining us from Denver. Hi Peggy. Hi Jessica. Hi Emily. Hi. Good to have you. Peggy, we really wanted to start off by asking you about how you got in your start in oil and gas and what that challenge was like for you as a whole. All right. Well, I got my first job in the oil and gas industry in 1976 when I was a fresh college graduate with a bachelor's degree in geology. I went to work for a small, um, uh, I would actually small is not the right word, for a very long established natural gas company in Pittsburgh. And I was sent out into the field to work with uh, staking locations and sitting wells and uh, doing the field side of uh, natural gas exploration. So I was the first woman that had ever been hired as a geologist with this company that had been in business for um, since the turn of the century prior. Wow. <laughs> so it was quite an adjustment for um, folks um, they weren't quite sure, I think, how exactly to handle me being out in the field with uh, roughnecks. And um, I, before I went out the first time, my boss uh, told me, well, you know, they, the guys, they change their clothes in the doghouse at the shift change, so you're going to have to go for a walk in the woods, you know, at these certain times so that you're not anywhere near the rig. <laughs> Like, okay, good thing if it wasn't raining or something, you know, um, because it was very uh, unusual at that time. And there were superstitions, which I'm sure you've heard from some other folks, that was bad luck to have women out on a well. Um, so there was some resistance from especially the field crews about having a woman out there. Um, some people were welcoming, some people were more you know, overtly hostile. So there were different things that happened. Um, for instance, when you're a well site geologist, you look at little bags of samples that come up, the drill cuttings. You look at those under a microscope and kind of uh, see where the, how the drilling's progressing. And so at one rig, the roughnecks were riding uh, obscenities on the bags and then They'd give them to me, and I'd pick them up, and they'd have these uh, things written on them. And I could see them, you know, kind of chortling about it and sort of peeking over to see my reaction. It's like, guys, you got to do something better than this, you know. This isn't going to scare me off. That's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Often, you know, fairly risque or outright what? pornographic posters, you know, plastered all over the doghouse. Um, you know, they were always watching, not always, but certain people would watch to see if you were uncomfortable and try to make you uncomfortable. And I just was like, you know, get real. This is a good job and I like it and you guys aren't going to run me off. Yeah. yeah. I I imagine that took uh you know a lot of confidence and courage on your part too though to be able to just say no I'm here to stay in a sense. Well probably my background helped a lot because I had four brothers and I was right in the middle so I had spent um you know my childhood 
constantly, you know, you know, in this kind of world of of boys always trying to tickle you or heckle you or you know, yeah. <laughs> be a sibling, and and so I I wasn't easily intimidated by that kind of behavior. A lot of which is fairly juvenile. Um, Peggy, what would you say? What would you say you did to stand out among your peers throughout your career, especially with the kind of dynamics that you just um, described? Well, when you're one of the few women, you you stand out whether you want to or not. Yeah. Mm. So it was always having to be extra careful about you know doing the absolute best job that you could do. Um, any flaw or weakness, you know, was a uh, was left you open, left me open to being criticized. You know, you're very, very highly visible um, in that kind of position. So you just have to do your job like the absolute best you can do it and win people over by um, showing that that really the job is not gender-based, that <laughs> gender has nothing to do with the ability to find oil and gas. Really looking back, Peggy, uh, of course, what you just described to us, looking back to then and now, how have you seen the environment for women change in the workplace and then also in oil and gas throughout your time? Oh, there's been huge, uh, huge changes and, and for the better, absolutely. You know, the whole industry, I think, has made a, a big effort to be more diverse and to bring more different types of people, not only women, but um, other maybe minorities that traditionally weren't represented, um, you know, in U.S. oil and gas into the workplace. Um, so it's it's much better uh, harassment and, uh, you know, those sorts of hostile work environments are not tolerated anymore. And I think companies do a, do a very good job being proactive. So I see very good and positive changes in the industry. Not that it's totally, you know, where it should be yet, but the progress has been quite, um, quite amazing. Um, uh, Peggy, now can you, um, we're going to go into the Women in Energy program. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how, more about Oil and Gas Investors 25 Influential Women in Energy program and how, how it got started and you know, what, what is it all about? Well, what we wanted to do with this program was to really um, emphasize people that were true leaders in the industry. And although it's organized around gender, gender is very secondary. We felt that the people that we picked would be leaders um, with any type of group that you could make, uh, of uh, groups of managers, groups of CFOs, groups of, you know, operating company personnel, these are the top of the top, and that's what we wanted to showcase, um, was very exceptional people who only secondarily happen to be women. And why do you think something like this program maybe is important? Uh, you mentioned, of course, gender being secondary, but something, I guess, that recommends uh, or honors, rather, uh, people in the industry do you think it's important for uh, whether younger people to see and hear that or really just peers among them as well? Well, I think, um, you know, obviously recognition among your peers for people who have had these long and distinguished careers, but also the uh, being a role model for uh, 
people that are just beginning their careers to see what can be accomplished and what people have accomplished and the different paths that they've taken and how they've been successful across the financial area, the operational area, the scientific area, the business development area, really to highlight that there's many paths and many opportunities that um, today's people can take. So, yeah, kind of, I guess that also, as you mentioned, you know, the different backgrounds, that shows the wide expansion or the expansive, uh, how far the careers can reach, really, in oil and gas that people may not realize. Exactly, exactly. It's often a a part of the workplace that people know little about. Um, You know, it's, it's something until you get into it and begin working on it, you may not realize the real significance and importance of the energy industry. So we wanted to kind of shine a light on that and say, here's, here's some real career paths where you can excel and you can really contribute to your community and to your you know, country. Um, Peggy, how how are these women selected? Are you you're currently taking nominations? Yes, we currently have nominations open on the oilandgasinvestor.com website. So we welcome anyone to uh, nominate uh, any people that they feel would be good candidates for us. Those are already open, and we'll be um, accepting those for the next number of months. Um, last year, we started the selection process. Uh, in the early fall, and so I'd encourage people if they have nominations to get them in as soon as possible. And really, from our experience, I know Emily and I have talked a little bit about it, there was such a good turnout, and everyone seemed to really be impressed by the women that were honored, but then also just the amount of people that showed up to support them. Yes, it was really, uh, I guess you could say, a real uh, you know, feel-good <laughs> event. It was a uh, event that highlighted and showcased a lot of people that have done amazing things with their careers and the amount of support that they got from their families and their companies was really heartwarming. Yeah, great. And of course, like you mentioned, accepting nominations now so people can go in and give those deserving uh, women a chance at that for next year. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Peggy. We appreciate you taking the time with us, and thank you for being a woman that actually paved a way for a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was, it's been a great career, and I'd encourage uh, other people to look at oil and gas uh, for that opportunity going forward. Good to hear that and that positivity. Thank yeah. you, Peggy. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Oil & Gas Investors Women in Energy podcast. Remember you can nominate deserving women by visiting oilandgasinvestor.com slash women dash in dash energy to nominate a top female industry executive for Oil & Gas Investors next batch of influential women in energy. Again, the website is oilandgasinvestor.com slash women dash in dash energy. The deadline for nominations is Friday, August 3rd of this year. Again, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on this podcast on our website, on oilandgasinvestor.com, 
Uh, we've also, we're also on SoundCloud and available through iTunes. And also remember you can always tweet us at, at Jessica M. News and at Emily Patsy. And join us in May for the second episode where we will be talking about navigating the possible roadblocks of a career in oil and gas. I'm Jessica Morales. And I'm Emily Patsy. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening.